Hello, everybody. In case you haven't heard on the previous episode, we now have a sponsor. It's the CBD brand that I personally take and the one that's helped me tremendously in the past several months. It's Chemistry Bionaturals, and it's a company that makes all-natural, organically grown CBD oils and topicals. Each blend of their line of products is terpene-infused to bring you the targeted benefits to suit your needs. They use 99% pure pharmaceutical-grade CBD isolates and a hemp seed carrier oil to bring you omegas 3s and 6s for inflammation and overall health. All the products are also THC-free. Now, besides potency, Chemistry Lab tests their products for pesticides, metals, and solvents to ensure the safety and quality of their products, which, by the way, are created in an FDA-registered facility. All these lab results are published on their website for 100% transparency of their products. What they say is in the bottle truly is what's in the bottle. Most other CBD companies aren't as transparent as Chemistry, so you can never truly know what you bought from most brands. To find out more information on CBD and terpenes, as well as shopping their products, visit their site at chemistrybionaturals.com. Our listeners will get 15% off their first order when using the code PARANORMAL at checkout. All this info will be in the description of the episode. Welcome to the Paranormalist Podcast. I am your host, Kenny Dodson, and I am here from the den of sickness, aka the den of death. Uh, I have quarantined myself from Patty, and that is why Patty is on Skype, and we're going to try doing it this way. So, Patty's with me. Patty? Hello. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Oh, I've been better. I know we've been uh, trying to figure out a way to keep me from getting sick and get you better. Yeah, I, I think plague number one turned into something and plague number two turned into something. So now I have two in- different infections from two different plagues. And I'm trying to avoid all of your plagues. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of plague, did you see in China? Was it China that they had two confirmed cases of the bubonic plague? I did a, not. A wild squirrel that some no. dude ate? A rabbit or something, some sort of small game. I wish I was more prepared with this story. But. No, I didn't. But I did see that out in California that they're talking about, you know, a lot of um, what we consider defunct diseases are beginning to pick up steam because they haven't got um, electricity. People are um, so many street people are, you know, defecating on sidewalks and what have you. It's bringing so much disease and and what have you. And they're talking about all kinds of diseases that we thought were pretty much eradicated are beginning to be seriously diagnosed. Ugh. It's just... Like leprosy. They had a thing about leprosy. Yeah. Well, I, that's what I don't get about these those type of diseases. Where are they floating around? They're just like hanging out and then in the air and then suddenly they strike. I don't know. I like, mean, are they I, are they spies? Are they ninjas? Like, <laughs> it's like the flu. I mean, I'm not a big proponent of flu shots. I won't lie. I mean, if you want to get a flu shot, and your doctor tells you to get a flu shot, and you're going to get a flu shot, I'm cool with that. But me personally, I'm not a big proponent of flu shots for several reasons. But anyhow, you know, um, they will guess what's going to be the most likely strain of flu for the year. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's the likely strain of flu that ends up getting us. And 
you know, they don't really know how to f combat it. There, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but um, uh, 1918, there was an international pandemic with the flu um, right at the time of World War One, and um, it killed literally millions of people. In fact, they were quarantining the soldiers coming home. They were quarantining um, – you know, the people that were in transit, that were immigrants going to different places. It's one of the reasons places like Ellis Island existed is because there were so many diseases traveling back and forth and they needed to get a handle on it. They had to screen them or whatever? Well, yeah, they wanted to get a handle. They didn't want to go into the population in general. If they were sick, they'd have to stay there oh. until they got better. Um, and uh, it's created a whole lot of ghost stories over the years as well. But um, in 1918, the stories are insane. Um, we live here in central Pennsylvania, and um, I can tell you there's a little town over in Blair County. I read the doctor's notes from this this time period and his stories were just insane going from house to house and he would find entire families dead or um, two-thirds of the families dead and maybe one child still alive and it was just this unending thing and down at uh, Breezewood there's a story um, of a doctor who was traveling by horse and buggy visiting houses in the and the horse just kept going by several of the farmhouses and not stopping for several days. And finally, one of the farmers, when he heard the horse coming, because he was surprised that the, the doctor didn't stop to check on them again, um, finally was able to catch the horse. And they realized that the doctor literally worked himself to death. And the horse was just traveling, doing the route. Hmm. But because nobody got off the horse, you know, got off the wagon, um, he just kept going with the dead doctor in the in the wagon um, until somebody caught them. Yeah, it sounds like medieval stuff. I mean, it's, right it was, <laughs> it's 1918, though. It's a pandemic. And here's the scary part about that. They don't know how to treat it. They didn't know how to treat it then, and they don't know how to combat it now. In fact, the CDC went to Alaska and dug up corpses that were buried under the permafrost um, with that form of influenza so that they could take it back to the laboratories and try to work on figuring it out. So are we to assume that this influenza that goes around every year is the same? Well, it, I mean, it's just evolved, but it's, it's the same thing? Different strands, but the argument is that someday we're going to get that strand again. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Because it cycles through. Right. And, um, it's not the same strain. Sometimes there'll be two and three strains in a year. You'll hear them say, well, we've, we figured the flu shot was going to be um, – they just figure out which one they think is going to be the most popular, however they figure that out. And then they might find out that another strain comes out or that two or three strains come out that they weren't counting on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or by the time you get it, it's already changed. Exactly. At the same time. So, oh, well. Um, so what were we going to talk about? <laughs> it wasn't going to be flu it wasn't, originally. Well, but, I mean, I think that's a bit of, of interesting history. It we were going to talk it's, a little bit about, um, about maybe the remembrance, um, in Gettysburg this month, November is, um, remembrance month. And I know that this will air probably in what, December? No, I think it'll be in uh, two weeks from now. All right. So towards the end of the month. Close to Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just thought we should maybe pay a little homage to the um, 
to that, to the fact that uh, this is Remembrance Month. This is the month of the Gettysburg Address. This is the month when um, we remember um, all of that. And of course, there are a ton of ghost stories that are Civil War ghost stories and, and probably one of the most um, paranormally oriented presidents, of course, was Abraham Lincoln, who had um, visions and dreams and premonitions along with um, dealing with the paranormal and becoming a ghost himself. Can I say something about Remembrance Day? Sure, go right ahead. They really missed an opportunity. It should be called Novemberance. Novemberance. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, had to get the dad joke in there. All right. I am qualified, after all. <laughs> so continue this, with Abraham this, Lincoln. Is this what the uh, plague does to you? Uh, it makes me loody. Yeah. Apparently. God help your wife. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I gave it to her, too. Well, one of the two plagues. Made it, made it her way so hopefully um it's not spreading to the kids but i can't control it no, when you, when you have a baby hanging on you all the time you all you can do is like try you know to wash your hands and not cough in her face but she eats my sleeve with that i cough in you know yeah and there's nothing i could do about it um Anywho, but it has President to tell you a Lincoln. Bit about President Lincoln. Yes. Um, people are. We'll talk about his dream here in a few minutes. But they're less famously known, but um, well documented is the fact that before he was ever elected president, while he was um, running for the presidency, he was at home in Illinois and he was getting ready, I guess, one morning to shave, and he looked in the mirror, and um, he saw two reflections of himself. One was the vibrant real reflection of Lincoln and the other was a very pale drawn tired man and um, he told his wife because it concerned him he had never had any experience like that before and she was very troubled by it um, she kind of interpreted it to mean that he would become president and make it through his first term but that he wouldn't make it through his second and um, if that was her interpretation then um, you know um, it was very accurate because that's exactly what happened. And um, around the time he was um, elected for the second term, he would confide to a friend, I think it was 1865, when he told a friend of his who would later write it down, um, that he had had a nightmare a few nights before. And in the dream, he was walking through the White House and um, he heard crying as though somebody was just devastated and he followed the sound to, I believe it was um, the East wing. And um, he walked into the, the um, room and there was a casket with a soldier at each end. And there were people milling about mourning. And he walked up to one of the soldiers and he said, son, who's died. And the man looked at him and said, the president, sir. And he woke very startled, and he took it as an omen that he was going to not make it through his second term. Hmm. But that's all he knew. He didn't know how or anything. He didn't know how, but there's a lot of really weird inconsistencies about the day that he died. Um, for example, he had a bodyguard who was always with him, and for some reason he dismissed him that night. 
and he had asked General um, Grant and his wife to come with him to the theater, but Mrs. Grant and Mrs. Lincoln didn't get along, and Mrs. Grant had pitched a fit and said she wasn't going. So in order to um, not offend anyone, uh, General Grant bowed out graciously. So um, the Lincolns ended up going with um, a young lady, her name was Clara, and um, a young major by the name of Major Rathbone. They had known both of them, and um, they came along instead, and Major Rathbone would be, I don't know how familiar you are, you are with the story of what happened at Ford's Theater, but um, when John Wilkes Booth shot Lincoln, he, he jumped off of the um, balcony down to the stage um, and uh, gave his, you know, his famous cry. Um, and uh, it was Major Rathbone who tried to grab the gun and knocked him off balance and caused him to fall badly and break his leg. And um, Major Rathbone would always feel plagued by the fact that he couldn't stop the president's assassination, but there was nobody to guard him that night. And, um, it was one of the very first outings he had done for pleasure because of the war and nobody anticipated what was going on and all the safeguards that they had had in play for him for all that time just suddenly all melted for various reasons. Somebody was sick, somebody was tired, somebody wanted to get off to go do something and just, he's like, oh, we'll be fine. We'll just go on our own. And then, um, Clara and, um, Major Rathburn who were, they were engaged went. in fact, Clara's, um, another ghost story, Clara, um, was sitting there and it was her, her dress that took the brunt of the of the blood and bone when he was shot and it was splattered all across her and uh, she of course and um, Major Rathbone accompanied the president and his wife across the street when they took his him over to the house across the street and sent for the physicians and Clara sat with the with uh, Mrs. Lincoln and of course realized she was covered in her president's blood when the dress, when she got home, she took the dress off and she didn't know what to do with it. I mean, she just didn't feel like she could burn it or whatever. So she kept the dress in a closet and eventually the dress got walled up in the wall. They walled in that closet because nobody would ever, you know, look at it or touch it. And she used to say that the president would come and stand at the foot of her bed and look at her sadly. And um, years pass and um, she... Of course, the house is sold a couple times and what have you, and the story of the dress disappears. Nobody knows that the dress is there. Nobody knows the story of how it got there or anything until the family that owns it, and I believe the 1990s, were doing remodeling, and they accidentally stumbled across the closet and the dress hmm. and then did some research and figured out through some letters and other documents they found that this was the dress that she was wearing the night of the president's assassination and that the black, the brown grace, you know, the brown spots all over it dried on the dress were his blood. So what happened to the dress? Um, as far as I know, the dress still exists. I don't know if they gave it to, um, to somebody or if they kept it in the article that I read. Um, they at the time still had control of the dress. Hmm. That's fascinating. It is because there were the, the room was supposed to be haunted by a man who looked like Lincoln. That was, the modern interpretation, but nobody could figure out why until they accidentally stumbled across this closet while remodeling and realized that Lincoln's blood was actually in the room. 
Well, who all saw his ghost? Just Clara or yeah, the well, new Clara's, people too? Clara saw what other people saw it throughout the years. Um, who people would stay in the, like a guests that would come and stay, and they would say there was this man who looked a lot like Lincoln hmm. in my room, stuff like that, and nobody could explain it. And then, of course, um, they found the dress and realized what the um, what the significance of it really was. Huh. Well, that's kind of like the um, American flag that had his blood on it that they laid him on, right? Was found in an attic randomly mm-hmm. or whatever. It's just so strange how history just gets lost like that. That's one of the things I love about history, though, is that everything can turn on a dime. You can find one thing and rewrite history or add another chapter to it. Like what, Patty? What are you referring to? Are you referring to episode eight? (laughs) Well, that among other things. But yeah, yeah, I think it's just amazing how, you know, you can clarify history just by finding something in somebody's attic or closet or at a yard sale. Yeah. You know, and I just find that fascinating. History is like the history is the biggest mystery out there because there's always an an untold story that needs to be found and retold or something like that. But, you know, Lincoln had a lot of ghost stories. And in fact, he supposedly haunts the white house. Mm. Um, There have been two presidents wives who have seen him. Lady bird Johnson saw him. And um, one of the other presidents um, hit her. um, She saw him in the oval office one day looking out the uh, window with his hands behind his back as though he were um, looking out over the avenue where they had had the fields of the wounded and what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, So she saw him there, but uh, probably the most famous story is about uh, Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands who stayed at the White House. And uh, one night in the um, late at night, she heard somebody knocking on her door and she was staying in the Lincoln bedroom so she got up thinking that it must be important for somebody to rouse her in the middle of the night. And she opened the door expecting a telegram or something. And um, there he stood, the president, and she literally fainted. He took, kind of nodded to her and smiled at her, almost as if to say welcome. But that was more than the poor lady could take. So she fainted. And when she came to, <laughs> they found her. And she was insistent that she had seen President Lincoln's ghost at her door. Hmm. So there's a lot of, you know, Lincoln ghost stories, not to mention the fact that the Lincolns hosted um, seances at the White House because they were trying to reach their dead sons. They had two sons who had died and they were attempting to do that. And um, oh, so he was into it, too. I thought it was always just the wife. No. Well, and I think Mary Todd Lincoln gets a really bad rap. I'm a, I'm not a, as big a critic of her as a lot of people. First mm-hmm. of all, the woman was extremely intelligent. She, In today's world, she would have probably been an attorney herself. Um, she was a very intelligent, articulate woman. She, I do believe she loved the president. I do in his own way believe he loved her. And he suffered from depression, severe bouts of depression. He always did. Um, but I will tell you, anyone who has to lay to rest two of her children has every right to have a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. And I think that the cruelty of those people in Washington, D.C. who um, made fun of her for that is just beyond belief because she buried two sons. Yeah. Well, that's before the spiritualist movement. So it was really outcast then. Well, it was right at the beginnings of it. The Civil War kind of ushered in the spiritualist movement because there was no way to know what happened to your children or your husband or whatever. So – 
a lot of people had no closure. It wasn't even that they knew their family members were dead. They just didn't know anything. Yeah. And then, of course, a lot of people died. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to talk, touch base with their family members. This was the only opportunity allowed to them to do that. So the Civil War itself really prom um, pushed forward the spiritualist movement. So she was kind of on the cusp of it at the time. And she saw, sought out spiritualists um, for many years and quite often was disappointed by the results. But there were a couple that she found um, interesting. And um, the president attended at least two or three seances that, that he admitted he attended. Um, he had always hoped to have some word from Tad, who was um, probably the person he grieved the most for. Mm. But he never stated publicly that he did, but he did indulge it and he did attend it from time to time. Hmm. That's fascinating. I didn't know that. Hmm? So is he the only president that's been seen? Oh, no, not by far. Um, was LBJ seen? I assume he would be around. No, actually. <laughs> he was kind of um, crazy in a, in a funny way. Yeah, no, but um, there has been um, a guy by the name of David Burns, supposedly haunted. David Burns is a not a well-known figure, and he wasn't a president, but he is the man who sold all the land for most of Washington, D.C., including where the White House stands. And um, there have been two accounts of presidents who have heard him say, my name is David Burns. And they were in a room alone, and they, they heard a disembodied voice introduce them, himself to them. Um, one of the first ladies, the early first ladies, um, was seen carrying laundry through the White House because at that time they would hang the laundry in the White House in the winter to get it to dry. So the And the first ladies were... Um, you know, not nearly as pampered as they are today. So they ha they would actually help with the laundry and the cleaning and what have you. And so she's seen carrying a load of law of laundry through the White House. Hmm. Uh, so there's um, there are stories of other people haunting the White House, and of course there's the demon cat that's supposedly in the catacombs under the White House, and all kinds of other stories like that. And um, many of the of the Capitol's buildings have ghost stories attached to them. But I just thought as we were going into Remembrance Month, and I um, have a friend who was just reminded me of it because she was going down, that maybe we should mention some of those stories. Sure. Hey, uh, our listeners probably love conspiracy theories. Uh, have you heard about John Wilkes Booth escaped and made it to Texas and lived the rest of his life? Oh, yeah. I've heard that story many times. Uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the city, though, but I saw an episode of a show called The Day Tripper about it. And they they won't do like a DNA testing of relatives and stuff of this person, because I don't think they the town wants the, you know, lore to fall off because they have like right. a whole like museum and everything like that for it. So um, it's just this mystery. But all the, the eyewitness stories are really fascinating about this guy with a limp and all this stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, I know that when he was killed at the barn, um, one of the soldiers who was brought forward to identify him knew him personally and said at the time that did not look like John Wilkes Booth. So there has been from the very beginning, um, literally, a, a whisper of, of conspiracy that he made it out and somebody else got shot in his place and that um, 
that there was some high-powered Confederates who did a lot of uh, paying people off and what have you to get him away. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought that was really interesting, too. It's when people have their larger-than-life legends with their towns and everything like that, that they, they go, yeah, we're going to embrace this, you know, whether it's true or not. Well, Jesse James is the same thing. You have the stories of the different people who claim to have been Jesse James and have survived. And they've uh, done some DNA testing on a few of those people. Yeah, his grave is in Texas, too, supposedly. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I guess that's the the big frontier <laughs> that everybody was going to. Well, in that time frame, yeah. Yeah. Seriously, I mean, like, there's if you look at America, there's there's different frontiers for different time periods, and that would have been their frontier at that point. Right. Anyway, I think that's cool. Yeah. But um, yeah. What other do you do you want to stick with that theme, or do you want to divert into just random stories? Because you know, the last few episodes that we've done have been pretty sort of heavy about stuff. So. I don't know if you want to keep it lighthearted or you want to keep with the historical aspect. Well, I mean, there's a lot of historical ghost stories. There's certainly a lot of Civil War ghost stories. Mark has written a book called Civil Ghost War Trails um, or Civil War Trails, and it's um, got a ton of those kinds of stories. And, of course, the Ghosts of Gettysburg books that he's done, they are, are heavy with you know Civil War ghost stories. Not all the ghost stories in them are Civil War, but there's certainly a huge proportion. Mm -hmm. Um, of them. So there's a lot of, of Civil War ghost stories, particularly down in the Gettysburg area. Um, I've always found it fascinating that, you know, it was one of the worst battles and it was the turning point. Um, that's why the high watermark exists of the entire Civil War. But beyond that, um, you know, there's something about Gettysburg that's different than every place else. There are very few places from any war that holds the um, imagination of the public like the, the place called Gettysburg. Yeah. I mean, if you go to Spotsylvania, if you go to Antietam, if you go to any of a thousand battlefields in the South, there's going to be a small populace there that knows the stories and loves the stories. But Gettysburg, Gettysburg was something different and it's so haunted. It's, it's amazing. Um, you know, there are so many stories of of almost every building in the town that was there at the time has a ghost story. Hey, do you, have you ever heard of the story? Uh, this is funny. I was at the DMV uh, mm -hmm. when we first moved back to Pennsylvania. And uh, I was telling the guy, like, everything I was into and whatever. And uh, he's like, oh, well, I saw something weird in Gettysburg. And uh, I guess him and his wife were like, driving off into a more remote part. Um, I can't remember what he, what he said it was near, but have you heard a story about two legs that just walk? No, I just, never did. Just legs. No, but that wouldn't shock me. That wouldn't shock me at all. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's something like that. Like they saw these legs walking and they both saw it and he said he'll never forget that and he's been a believer ever since. But I, I guess this thing has been seen like a lot. So. Yeah, no, I never heard that story. That sort of surprised me. I'll have to ask Mark about that. Yeah. But um, no, I never heard a story of just legs walking. But I've, like I said, I'm not shocked. Um, there's like a thousand ghost stories. Mark used to tell a story a long time ago that I thought was really cool. There were these, uh, I believe they were Japanese diplomats. And this would have been back in the early 80s. And they 
came to Washington, D.C., they were brought to some different places, and one of the places that they wanted to go was Gettysburg. So um, their liaison there at the park took them out to the you know, through the park and they were stopping in different spots and seeing things like a devil's den in different places. And there was this one particular field where they're standing up on a hill, looking down at the field and a unit of soldiers goes marching through, they're doing maneuvers and they just keep on marching. And the men, the Japanese diplomats were just blown away. They were like, this is so amazing. Thank you for arranging for this. We never imagined. And, and the um, park ranger was like, Yep, no problem. Glad that you know. Glad that it made you happy. And when they got back, um, they were still talking and raving about the the soldiers and the and the um, Union uniforms and what have you. And they were thanking everybody over and over. And whenever they left, the the one park ranger turned to the other one and said, "What are they talking about?" And he's like, "I swear to God." You're not going to believe me, but – and then he told the story, and I don't know if you know this, but you can't just go out dressed as a Civil War soldier and um, run around on the battlefields at Gettysburg. You have to like, – they have certain days, and you have to file forms, and you have to they, – they control all of that. So they would have known if there were soldiers, especially a unit, yeah. marching around on a battlefield, and um, there was none. Hmm. That wasn't even the – and uh, you know, so that was pretty um, – pretty interesting because it was witnessed by a couple dozen people interpreters the the dignitaries the people from the park that were accompanying them um american dignitaries that were also accompanying there was a lot of people who saw this and they all saw it you know and uh i thought that was just a really cool story and then i thought that um some of my favorite stories from the from down there actually came from the shooting of the movie gettysburg because, you know, they were down there for months and months shooting. So they had – literally, they brought an army. You know, the, the production people brought an army. They had entire camps with the horses. And so it would have looked so realistic to a ghost. Imagine, you know, suddenly there's 150 tents and men and campfires and horses and everything they would have anticipated seeing in real life when right. they were alive. And there were so many stories from that. Um, one of the stories that was um, of a group of, of, of actors who were out there camping overnight, several nights, and the one morning one of the actors got up early and um, he – it was kind of misty and foggy and he was kind of went out past the horses to relieve himself, if you will. Mm -hmm. And, um, a man appeared out of nowhere and said to him, you be careful today. And then faded away right in front of him. And it was as though he were, you know, a soldier warning him about the upcoming battle of the day. Um, another, was that another bathroom story? Well, in a weird way, I guess it was. <laughs> Not meant to be, but was, yes. And then there was another one um, where a group of actors watched a unit um, that was a perfectly sunny day, and it was like this weird fog came out of nowhere and was marching through this, like going through this valley, and behind this fog, there was a unit of soldiers. And as the fog and the soldiers passed through, everything got sunny again, and when they turned to look further down the valley to watch them go, they weren't there anymore. But a whole group of, of actors saw it. And then I think probably one of my favorites was the one about the lady that transported 
the re the reenactors. You know, they hired a lot of reenactors and then got a lot of families who's um, had relatives who really did fight at the Battle of Gettysburg. In fact, I had my brother was uh, um, actually contacted to see if he wanted to go down and reenact one of our relatives. And um, so there was there were these uh, people that they hired that had pickup trucks and vans and what have you, and they would take all these reenactors back to Gettysburg to the motels at night or into town to get something to eat, stuff like that. And there's the story of this one lady who had a pickup truck and she would go pick up a group of actors and drop them off, go back out and pick up another group and drop them off and do this. And they paid her quite well for it. So this one night she picks up this last group of actors. It's about 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night and they, they're sitting on the back of the pickup truck, you know, in the bed. And she gets to the place where they're going and um, they all get out and she, as she thought they all got out. So she, as she goes to turn around, she sees, she glimpses a man in the corner of the truck, back of the truck, kind of all huddled over holding his rifle. And she pauses the truck, stops the truck for a second, gets out. And she says, she thought maybe he was sleeping. He had fallen asleep in the back of the truck and didn't realize they had gotten to their destination. And she says, Hey, Hey, wake up. We're here. And the man lifted his head and just faded away. That's cool. I have a story. Sure. Uh, a battlefield story that did I ever tell you the story on here about what happened to my sister on the battlefield? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, it must have been. I, so I, I was a guest on Rob Z's podcast before, and I think that's where I told it. But um, I'll tell it on here. So now my sister does not believe in any of this. I will throw that out there right now. Mm -hmm. um, so where uh, maybe I was in like 11th grade or so, and my family and I were touring, doing one of the ghost tours on the battlefield. So the guy's giving the whole spiel about, oh, you see, you normally see things out of the corner of your eye, blah, 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 you know, trying right. to, I mean, we already talked about what that means, but also at the same time, it's probably to get people trying to see things, uh, <laughs> you know, so that they go, oh, I saw a ghost on the ghost tour. Well, anyway, my sister's standing there and I was like close by. So this couldn't have been a, the whole area wide thing, but she's standing there and she starts going <laughs> like this and mm -hmm. her lips quivering. And I'm like, uh, what's wrong with you? And she's like, I'm so cold. And I said, it's like, it's like 95 degrees and humid tonight. What are you talking about? It was very hot night. And, and she's like, no, feel. And she grabs my arm and I go, <laughs> because it's like, it's like she dipped her hand in a bucket of ice. Like mm -hmm. I've never felt a human being that cold before. So I'm like, mom, dad, check this out. I was like, touch them. And, and, uh, she like, uh, grabs, you know, each of their, she grabs both of them at the same time. And they're like, oh, what's wrong with you? And she's like, I don't know. I'm just so cold. And uh, we, the guy's like, okay, let's move on. So we move on to the next place. She warns back up instantly. Mm -hmm. And she's fine. And, and to this day, she will not admit what it was that happened to her. She's like, oh, no. See, I can, I can change my body temperature myself just by thinking about it. So she's like, here, let me see. And she can, she can do it. She can make herself hotter or colder. 
I don't know how exactly she gets there, but her uh, brain can do it. But she's never been able to replicate that. She's never been able to make ice with her arms. You know, she it's like, right. oh, you are a little colder, but I mean, it's not like that. So she well, just won't let herself admit because she doesn't believe in, in all right. this. Um, and it's the whole brain versus heart thing. I think she actually knows something happened and she just can't let herself admit it. But I mean, what other explanation is there than she must have been standing on some sort of spirit <laughs> or something? Well, it's a classic. It is the classic line from um, almost every ghost story you ever hear is, and Mark and I've talked about this over the years, is you don't ever hear, because the, the skeptic will say it's it's the psychology. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, you thought you saw a ghost, therefore you got cold. But that isn't how it ever happens. This is the classic line. I was sitting at my desk doing my my writing, and all of a sudden I felt extremely cold. I looked up, and then I saw Mm-hmm. So the cold always presages what's going to happen. It almost, it always um, predates what's going to happen. Right. Um, it's not a psychological issue because it happens before there's an event. And so I, something was close to her. I'm not saying she was standing on it, but something was close to her or attempting to com- communicate with her in some way. And, you know, that's the classic tagline of every ghost story I ever hear. All of a sudden it got really cold in the room and I looked up and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, just to be 90 some degrees and humid and her actually quivering. I've never even seen another person do that either. No matter if they had the flu or if they jumped in something cold, like cold water or something. I've never seen anyone quiver and their their lip go like that. I thought that was just like made up in cartoons <laughs> so no crazy. i mean you can get so cold you're going blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah you can but um go outside in january and stand for 15 minutes your body's your you know your core temperature is going to start going down real quick yeah i but, said i said like a were you trying to lower your temperature at that moment no right <laughs> so i'm like well if you don't believe in all this stuff you weren't predisposed to think that you know a ghost was going to make you cold so you didn't have that going for you. So what other explanation is there? You know, and she just, she can't do it. Which is fine. Well, I, no, res- and, I respect her I, opinion, but it's wrong. I have to tell you, I have, like, Mark and I have had years, this was years ago, but we had a couple um, nights where we were sitting there signing books. And it was so amazing because we would have families coming from different parts of the country who didn't know each other. And they would come in and they would say, oh, I was out at, uh, Spangler Springer. I was out at Devil's Den, and they would tell the exact same stories. I heard bullets going as though people were shooting at such and such a spot, and um, it would be the same story for multiple families. And they would tell those kinds of stories, and a lot of them would start out with, "We were standing there, and all of a sudden it got really cold, and then we heard soldiers shooting." Um, you know, and I thought that was just um, really interesting because we would I'd say to them, where are you from? And they'd say Michigan. And then the next one would come in and they'd say Georgia, you know, and then Ohio. And, and they were telling the same stories, but the odds of them all getting together somewhere and deciding to lie and then go find the ghost of Gettysburg to lie to us. Right, right. You know, are so far beyond ridiculous that it's not even worth considering. Yeah. And this would have been back in the... 80s and early 90s long before everybody was into ghosts yeah the way they are today well since i told my rob z story mm-hmm. do you want to tell yours which about, one i told uh, him a lot i know but um about the <laughs> mad wit is it wayne or what 
which one? Matt Anthony Wayne? Matt Anthony Wayne. Yeah. That, wow. that whole ride across Pennsylvania thing. Like, I thought that was fascinating. Oh, okay. Well, um, Anthony Wayne was a general during the Revolutionary War, and he earned the nickname Mad Anthony Wayne because he did some amazing and reckless exploits. Um, he is directly credited with having saved George Washington's life on multiple occasions. Oh. And um, the one, one of the things that got him the nickname of Mad Anthony Wayne is that he um, intercepted intelligence that there was going to be an ambush of Washington. This was during the middle of the winter and it was exceedingly cold and icy. And everybody kind of just shrugged their shoulders and said, man, too bad for Washington. There's no way we can get to him and tell him. And Wayne was absolutely appalled. So he jumped on a horse and rode breakneck speed through the ice overnight and intercepted Washington prior to his being ambushed and saved his life. That's one of the reasons he got the nickname. So Anthony Wayne was quite a character and there's several ghost stories attached to Wayne. Um, not just the one I, I told. Um, there's Trotter's Curse and a couple others Ooh, as well. Why don't you just but, tell all of them? <laughs> okay. Well, I'll start with Trotter's Curse. As I said, Wayne was quite a character. He was very um, good um, soldier, but he also had his dark side. He was a drunkard at times. He could drink a lot and he could be a ladies' man. And um, he would go into these really black, week-long binges of drinking and he had an aide-de-camp by the name of Trotter at one time who was a good friend of his as well as being his aide-de-camp and during one of the black binges um, when he was absolutely horrible to be around and he would do the most insane things um, Trotter got word from home that he needed to go home because of a family emergency and so he went to um, Wayne and um, he knew he was taking his life in his own hands to do it because Wayne could just as soon shoot you as talk to you when he was that drunk. And he explained to Wayne that his family had an emergency and he needed to get a leave of absence to go home for a few days. And Wayne was drinking very heavily and threw something at him and screamed, then just get the H out of here. So he took it as permission that he could go home. Right. So he – you know, did what he needed to do, tidied up his loose ends and went on his way to go home for a couple days to deal with the family emergency and then come back. Wayne finally comes out of his drunk and says, where's Trotter? And they said, well, Trotter left. He went home like you told him to. And he said, I never gave him permission to take to go home. He's, you know, AWOL. And he ordered them to go and catch Trotter and hang him for being AWOL. And he told them, if you don't hang him, I'll hang you. And they believed him. So they intercept Trotter on his way back to camp. And they tell him everything. And they said, we're sorry, but the general gave the order. We have to hang you. And they hung him. So is that typical? Was that a punishable, was Apparently. that the, the punishable offense for AWOL? Well, you have to remember, um, if this is the revolutionary period. There are very few rules, and if it's like the, the general, Wild West, right? <laughs> yeah, the general said it. You did it, or he could have had them shot. So anyhow, he they killed him, and um, Wayne would say that he would see Trotter's ghost for the rest of his life, um, and it was because Trotter was an innocent man. Mm -hmm. Well, so anyhow, he was stationed at Prescott, Presque Isle, um, and. Erie, when PA. He, in Erie, PA, when he died. 
and it was impossible at that point to get his body home. So they buried him outside the blockhouse. And several years go by, and his son, who's now an adult, honors his mother's request, and they decide to go get his body and bring, it, dis, um, bring him home, whatever his remains are, to the family cemetery to please his mom. So he takes a satchel, thinking all that there's going to be is bone. At You know, six, eight years have gone by. But um, there's a very high peat content in the soil up at Lake Erie because of the lake. So what happened is the body didn't decay. So when they dig him up, rather than finding bone, they found the entire corpse. Hmm. Now, at the um, planetarium, I believe it is, in Erie, there's this huge cauldron that the doctor who was involved in all of this used to boil the bones and the skin apart. Because it was decided that they weren't going to um, – he was just going to take the bones back um, and not talk to them, tell anybody about the rest of the what they found. Mm-hmm. So they bury the skin and whatever the sludge was in the cauldron right. back in the original grave site. And they put the bones in the satchel, and he starts riding back home. Well, you can imagine he's a bit disconcerted by this entire process. This is his father after all. Right. And he doesn't pack the satchel very well. So as he's driving, riding across country, because he went all the way from Lake Erie down toward Philadelphia. So this is a caddy corner lengthways across the state. Um, some of the bones fell out. And when they got back there, whatever there were of the bones that got buried. Um, but the story is that um, Matt Anthony Wayne rises on his birthday, which happens to be January the 1st each year, and rides the length of the state looking for his lost bones. Hmm. Do you know if that's true? Do people see him? Know. Or is there's it just like a they just made it up the, the legend? Um, there's people who've claimed over the years that they've seen him, but I don't know if it's true. I can't, you know, I've, I can't personally speak to it. Yeah. But um, Wayne... He has the distinction of having two different graves, and his body is in both. Okay. And he was quite a character, and he is known to haunt a couple other places. Um, he also had a, um, a mistress, if you will, while he was at Lake at, at Lake Erie, and um, he shunned her after a while for another young lady, and she supposedly drowned herself in the lake. And she is seen running from where the old fort was to the lake and going into the water and then just disappears. So there's several ghosts associated with Anthony Wayne. This guy didn't sound like the greatest guy. You know what? In some respects, he wasn't. He was one. He's bigger than life in so many ways. He was absolutely loyal to the cause and to Washington. In fact, at um, the Anthony Wayne Inn, which is down in Marion, PA, near Philadelphia. Mm. He gave an impassioned speech. A lot of our founding fathers gathered there when they fled Philadelphia, and they were so um, disheartened with Washington's leadership at the time that they were talking about replacing him. And Wayne gave an impassioned speech that actually convinced them to let Washington continue as our commander-in-chief at that point of the military. And, um, you know, they had lived through Valley Forge and it was a fiasco and what have you. And it was only after all of this that, you know, Washington begins to change the way he fights. And then everything begins to change and the tide turns so that the Americans begin to win. Had Wayne not been so loyal we would maybe not be in America today. 
or it would be a completely different historical story. But he, he, you know, spoke very highly of Washington and protected him in many ways. So he was a good guy sometimes, and he was a bad guy. He was a family man. He was a lot of different things. He had his demons like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly he earned his place in history. Yeah. That's still cool. It is a cool riding, story. Riding uh, to find your bones. Um, well, could it be... Okay, so you said that he's been seen haunting other places. Mm-hmm. Could it be those other places are where the bones fell out? Like one bone is in this town and one bone is in this town and... No, it's not that kind of random haunting. Okay. The hauntings are usually associated with things around him, like Trotter's Curse or the girl who committed suicide and um, that kind of stuff. It's not just a random, like, I can't explain to you why he would haunt such and such. It's not that kind of thing. Right. Do you have any ghost stories predating Revolutionary? Actually, I was doing a little research today, and I actually found a story from 1200 BC that was encrypted on a Egyptian piece of pottery. And when they started, they found it in an archaeological dig. And when they translated it, it turns out to be a ghost story. But I will save that for another episode. Oh, okay. But that's how far back some ghost stories go. Well, I remember at one time, it, it might have been. I'm not sure if it was on this podcast or uh, the PA Traveler podcast episode, but we were talking about how old ghosts can get and why why don't we see cavemen and, you know, other stuff like that. So I was wondering, you know, where's the cutoff at this moment? Are we are we at are we at revolutionary or are we? No, there's Native American ghost stories. There's. um, You know, ghost stories dating back into the 1500s, 1600s. There are those stories. There are some stories in England um, of like Roman um, conquerors who are seen and stuff like that. But the more popular stories are revolutionary, you know, Confederate era and more modern. That doesn't mean that these other stories don't exist. That just means that there's fewer of them told. But then that might also be because people aren't frequenting those areas as much as they might have before, or they're misinterpreting what they're seeing or they're keeping their mouths shut because who wants to say they saw a caveman in Breezewood? Right. You know, I would. That'd be well, awesome. I would too, but <laughs> there's some really cool there's some really cool history down there, believe it or not. A lot of cool history. Yeah. Well, they might be bringing uh, mastodons back, right? Or uh, you know, woolly mammoths. Or I something. saw that the DNA that they have the DNA, and they think they can um, replicate them. Like I created a mastodon um, elephant hybrid. Yeah. What do you think about that? Do you think they? Do you think they should or they shouldn't? I think they didn't see the movies, apparently. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I don't think they would be that dangerous. They'd probably be as dangerous about as as much of an elephant is dangerous, but that's not the well, point. The <laughs> it's becomes... like, did it did it expire back then? Should we leave that alone? Like, I think we just need to leave the course of 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 nature and of history to what it is i'm a big believer that we just let things go the way they go there's a natural selection process and that happens for a purpose i agree except pigs having human heart you know creating human organs that's pretty fascinating well they grew they grow (laughs) um ears on um rats and stuff like that too i mean cartilage and stuff like that so right um you know it's interesting but i don't know that i um i'm not sure that i'm 
all for it because I think that somewhere down the line we're gonna we're gonna mess with our DNA or do something genetically that's gonna cause us some problems if we continue. I'm not a big fan of genetically engineered plants either for the same reasons because we don't know that you know these plants don't pollinate themselves, and if we do away with um, all the plants that are able to pollinate themselves, then somebody controls the food the crops and they control the food supply for the world. And I think that's, I'm getting into conspiracy theories maybe, but that's one of the <laughs> things that Monsanto is really good for, you know, I mean, right. that's what they're trying. And now, um, you know, there's an underground, literally an underground of heirloom seeds that um, exist to, to make sure that the seeds are still there to propagate somewhere down the pike. Hmm. You know, there's a couple hundred types of tomatoes. We only know of about three or four because there's a, Big business has put money into promoting those particular types of tomatoes and nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, that's all fascinating. It's like what in Jurassic Park, they were so concerned with if they could, they sh didn't stop and think if they should or whatever. I butchered that. I paraphrased it. But <laughs> well, no, but it's good. It's a good. Um, it's a good observation. You know, just because we can do something doesn't mean we always should. We need to think about the ethical implications of it. And that's really, I think, the message of the of the movie Jurassic Park at the end of it. It's very entertaining. Mm -hmm. But at the other end of it, there's the question of are we considering the ethics of what we're doing? Yeah. Well, they address that really well in Jurassic World 2 when they're going through the hearings about whether the dinosaur should exist or not, basically. I have to tell and, you. And I've they bring only, up a lot of good points. I've only seen the original movie. I'm not a big TV or movie person. I know, I know. I know. Like, yeah, about 95% of the movies you say, oh, that was in such and such. And I'm like, I've never seen it. Well, sometime maybe I'll do like horror movie reviews or something <laughs> as part of our channels. I don't really even watch horror movies. I mean, at all. I do... Um, I watch documentaries on the paranormal. I'm a one-trick pony when it comes to that. I really do. I watch things about um, crypto and stuff like that when I'm really watching TV mm. and and baking show. There's this baking show I really love. So like I do have something that's off the paranormal grid that I do watch. <laughs> Patty's baking show. I just like it because everybody on it's really nice. Yeah. Well, that's good. Peace, it's light, and harmony. <laughs> it's what I watch at night before I go to bed because it's all happy and you just sort of smile because everybody's kind to each other. Yeah. So, but, you know, we have some really cool and surprising things coming up. I think some stuff we should tell our uh, listeners about. Such as? Such as we are doing really well. We're growing very fast and we are on iHeartRadio and Spotify and all these other forums and platforms and um, now we're, we're working, going up on YouTube. Now we're going up on YouTube. And Twitter. We just had and Twitter. Twitter. And um, we're just growing really, really fast. And we want, first of all, I'd like to thank all of the, our listeners because they're very faithful and we appreciate every single person and all our new hope people that are coming and all the people that are sharing with us in our share group and all of the things that are going on. It's just much more exciting and happening so much faster than we ever anticipated. And I just want to thank them. And I also wanted to ask them for a favor. If they could um, give us a review, you know, like us, subscribe. These things help us to grow and help to keep us out there and moving forward. And so if our listeners would take the time to do that and to share what they're, um, they enjoy, we would really appreciate it. And even engaging on our clips too, that, that yes. I release, I, I would really like to, uh, you know, we have our group now. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about our group? 
Go ahead, you do this part. Uh, so we launched a group that was originally um, supposed to be where people start sharing their experiences. And uh, it's called the Paranormalist Share Group. And you can find it through our Facebook. And it's just uh, a lot of people are coming up with a lot of good stuff that are just normal people like everyday, you know, Americans that are living their life and they've had paranormal experiences and they have nowhere really to, to talk about them. So they trust us enough, luckily, to, to expose their stories. And um, some of them have been really good. Like they really are. Good. I, I am so impressed. I actually get on and I talk to and interact with the folks mm -hmm. and and tell them I'm just so blown away by some of the stories they are very beautifully written. They're great stories. And um, I just I'm just so enthusiastic about the share site. Yeah. But uh, in summation, we love to interact with everybody. So um, if we can get the most engagement possible, like just leave a comment about what we talked about and we'd love to talk to you about it even more because it's all one-sided pretty much uh, at the moment. So I'd like to get more people involved and that helps us grow too, because the algorithm puts forth things that are getting engagement. So that would be good. So we're just asking you to, you know, participate, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like, give us reviews, like, share, um, you know, subscribe and um, just help us as we're growing. Um, you guys are the reason we're getting to grow so fast in the first place. And, we are excited about all the new stuff we're talking about doing and all the show ideas. And if you have some ideas, share them with us and we will you know, work them into the process. We have some great guests that are coming up over the next few months. And just you know, let us know um, this is not just our place. This is you guys' place. We want you guys to subscribe and really participate with us and make this um, the para paranormalist community. Yeah, and we've actually gotten a lot of people who have come to us about their paranormal problems just, you know, reaching out and DMing us because um, they don't know where else to turn. And that's why Patty and I started this to begin with. So if you have any any questions or anything's going on in your life that or anything has gone on in your life, if you've had even a bad experience and just need to talk to it about it with somebody, um, we're here for that. So feel free to share, feel free, free to hit us up directly. Um, a lot of the darker things I don't actually deal with. Um, Patty gets on and I'm like, Hey, there's another demon thing. <laughs> so <laughs> Patty gets on and, and, uh, she'll share her email, her personal email with you yes. and you can get in touch with her. So, um, there's a lot of different ways to interact with us and we'd love to do so. And you were telling me tonight, I did not realize how many countries are now tuning in. How many countries were you telling me? I know we have some people from Russia and where else? Uh, we have America, which is primarily it, but, well, I figured. but we also we also have Australia, New Zealand, and Canada. I'm currently. just blown away so early that we have so many countries, and um, I'm looking forward to um, exploring all the ghost stories from everywhere. So don't just listen, share, participate, become part of the process. That's what we really are hoping for. Building a paranormal community. That's yep, what we want one to ghost do. story at a time. Because the more people that believe, the better. <laughs> I I just. Yeah, I think paranormal needs to be bigger than what it is because I think it has so much importance in life that people don't realize yet. So anyway, um, let's see. Do you have any other interesting stories that you want to share? I think I'm going to save some revolutionary period stories for the next episode. Okay. 
Okay, because there are some, and I'd like to share some of them. There's some really cool places in Philadelphia that are haunted, um, some other places that I'd like to share some stories, but it's enough to make a whole episode, so I think we'll just do another whole episode. Okay. All right? Yep, that sounds good. All right, so um, we didn't get into a whole lot <laughs> this one, but oh, actually, there we were told some historical. Half, we've told some, about a half dozen good ghost stories. Yeah, yeah, they were just longer than usual, so we didn't get to as many, but that's good. That's a good thing because sometimes I like having long, you know, nuanced ghost stories instead of just, okay, they looked in the mirror and then they turned around in the back seat and they weren't there. Then they looked in the mirror and they were there. The end. <laughs> well, let's talk about, maybe we can talk about like the white women stories and stuff like that. And I'm trying to do, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do a thing, which is about all the 14 different types of ghost stories there are mm. for one, one of the episodes coming up. But um, like, I don't even know, know that. I don't even know what the 14 are. So, well, we'll find out whenever yeah. we start doing it. Um, but I, you know, we did some um, Remembrance Day stories. We did some Gettysburg ghost stories. We did some Abraham Lincoln ghost stories. And then we moved on and told about a half dozen others. So really, there's a good bit of content in that episode. Yeah. So, so what do you think? I don't think it's bad doing it this way. Yeah. Let, let us know what you think about the Skype way in the split screen that we're going to be doing instead of us being right next to each other. Do you prefer it? Do you not prefer it? What do you think? So let us know. Well, this just allows us some time to stay to, to do it when we're apart because we're apart for other reasons. And because you have the plague. Uh, I'm quarantined right now. <laughs> so but we wanted to keep shooting. So we came up with this as our idea. Yep. Um, yeah, it's not bad. So, Oh, Patreon. So down the road, we're looking at doing Patreon um, in the next few weeks, I believe. You're planning to start working on that. Mm -hmm. You want to tell them a little bit about it? Yeah, so we're going to be doing a, a Patreon. Uh, we haven't – time is money, and we want to give you more content. So we, we got to have a little bit of money uh, to support that cause. So um, we're just asking everybody uh, if they can contribute anything. If you get anything out of this podcast, uh, please consider it. Um, I, I don't have details on, you know, how much we're going to, what tiers we're going to be offering or anything like that, but you will be getting, um, possibly a whole extra, uh, episode. Um, but primarily I think to begin with, we're going to do kind of like a story of the day. Um, so we share, uh, stories with everybody that they wouldn't get to hear otherwise. So if you enjoy our stories, um, you'll be able to get way more weekly, I'm looking forward to it. There's a lot of stuff in the works as we're growing. Like I said, I'm, we're growing so much faster than I anticipated. And with uh, all the perks that we're, we're coming up with for the Patreon, we're getting ready to do some speaking engagements next year. A lot of different things coming up. Hopefully some live shows. That will be fun. That would be excellent. So anyway, thank you everyone for your support so far. Uh, I think we should be getting near the six-month celebration relatively soon. Yep. So we'll have to have some sort of anniversary episode. So anyway. Um, oh, and I will be releasing my Christmas short film, my horror short film to the page that me oh, and my friend made back in Texas. You've seen it, right? The ornament? No, no I have not. Oh, okay. It, ha it stars me and my daughter. Oh, okay. That's all I need to say. So... <laughs> Yeah, look look forward to that because that's going to get you in the the festive spirit. Um, and and I actually have the the haunted ornament 
uh, prop on my tree right now because my tree is up. I was going to say, is your tree up already? Yep. Christmas came early this year. You know, I think it has for everybody. Everywhere I go, the Christmas lights are already up and it's not even Thanksgiving. Yeah. The stores kind of ruined it. Like Costco started having stuff back in like springtime for Christmas. And yeah, no, I'm waiting till yeah. Thanksgiving's over and then I'm going to decorate before my birthday. Yeah. And, and I started flipping out in Walmart the other day because the Halloween stuff was facing the Christmas stuff. It's like they were standing off. And they forgot all about Thanksgiving. It's like it's one little tiny lowly shelf in the middle of nowhere. Well, does anybody decorate for Thanksgiving? I do. If you take a oh. look around my house, I've got like scarecrows and turkeys and a pumpkin back here chasing some ghosts because there's got to be ghosts in my house all the time. Well, I would argue that that's Halloween. But but we have leaves <laughs> and turkeys and, and scarecrows in there and pumpkins. And those are all, Hallow- are all Thanksgiving things. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to turkey. Probably I, I, we already ate the turkey by the time this comes out. We'll see. So happy Thanksgiving early or late, <laughs> depending <laughs> on what this is. We're going to have to sit down and figure out for the uh, Christmas to make, because I'd like to do a, a bunch of Christmas ghost stories Yes. to air around Christmas. Yes. And talk about some of the more evil uh, spirits like Santa Claus, but like Krampus and Belschnickel and other things when we get to the belschnickel my grandmother-in-law used to belschnickel when she was a child and she used to tell me the stories it was actually um an english translation of the german tradition it was kind of different did she walk around smack people with canes no it was something (laughs) completely different but i will tell you the story okay so look forward to all of this everyone um that was the longest goodbye we've ever had. So, <laughs> well, you, can cut, you can cut it out in any way you need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll catch you guys later. Okay. Bye bye.